Welcome to the Total Football Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Declan Hart, and I'm joined by Andrew Conway. Greetings. This week, we look back on events in Bayern, Barcelona, and the bridge, while also previewing the key fixtures in the upcoming international break. Seven weeks into the Premier League season, and the table is finding its shape. Is it time we started actually looking at the table, or are there only three legs propping it up for now? When is it suitable to look at the table? Ten games? Fifteen games? Before Christmas? After New Year's? Well, going back on conversations we've had in previous weeks, it doesn't really matter at the moment. No. The league is so tight. Like, I was looking at there before we came in, and we had... Arsenal have had a dreadful start to the season. That's undoubted. Yeah. They were the calls for almost a man, you know, same old Arsenal, their season's over after three games when they yeah. lost two of the first three games. They're level on points with Spurs, who are being lauded, and Harry Kane is being lauded. What's that even mean? Yeah, and they're ahead of Liverpool, the team that trashed them 4 0. Exactly. And it all doesn't matter. And they're within touching distance of the top of the league still. Yeah. As as are the other teams. Spurs are obviously still in it. Chelsea are obviously still in it. Yeah. But all these teams are they're all in about the mix now. The two Manchester clubs, United and City, have started very well. No doubt about that. They've yeah, they've been undefeated. Great form, yeah. You know, there's no you can't you can't do much better than that. Only not draw the two games they drew. Yeah, uh, and even then, like the draw that Man City had, there's no shame in that. I think going to Stoke as well can be a difficult place for Man United. For Man United, yeah, and the, you yeah. know, there there's a bit of talk to be had. Like Man United are top of the league at the moment, are top are at the top of yeah. the league in the in the top two positions, but have yet to play a team in the outside of the top. Or outside of the, the bottom, bottom eight, or yeah, the bottom like eight that. of the league at the moment. So, what does that mean for Manchester United? Have they not played? Yeah. Have they not had any challenges whatsoever? Everton, likewise, they have had two big games and th- they've come through those tests between Chelsea this last weekend and Liverpool previously. Yeah. Like th- they are, are they to be a force to reckon with because they've won those matches, or is it just too yeah, early? You would think that they're, they're like they're level on points. There's only like one goal between them. I think in goal difference, like you would think though, based on the teams they've played, that Man City have been better. Like the results are more impressive looking, even mm-hmm. though Man United are rolling over teams probably yeah. on a more consistent basis. Yeah, but does it even matter that Man United haven't played any good teams if they beat all the lesser yeah, teams? Yeah, if they beat all the lesser teams, doesn't matter. As you said last week, it's a 38 game season. Yeah, it's, it's marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. So, you know, even if they go out, their, their next big task is their next club game against Liverpool at yeah. Anfield. The Red Monday, or whatever you want to call it, this season. Yeah, it's probably going to be a dire match of a draw. Yeah, and Mourinho matches like that always kind of are. Yeah, that's just how they are, and that's yeah. how the manager is. So They'll sit deep. You know, at the, at the other end of the table, you have you know Swansea are down there, but they've played well at times this season. Have won games. They're not completely terrible. West Ham are down in those areas as well. Yeah, have been terrible at times, but still seem to be you know getting results when it matters. Yeah, like the only team that have really been truly awful and look like they're going to stay there is Crystal Palace. No, they don't have a striker at the moment. Yeah, Carlton Cole maybe. Maybe Carlton. How many goals have they scored this season? Zero. Zero goals. And how many matches? Seven, Seven matches. Seven matches, yeah. And they play Chelsea zero next. Goals. And how many conceded? I can't even, don't even yeah, remember I have at no the top idea of my head. At this point, yeah. But, you know, dozens of goals already gone in. It's not looking good for them. You no. know, an average team, they probably, if they had one of the best defensive records between now and the end of the season, they'd still have a pretty poor goal yeah. difference, you'd imagine. Like I think it's the worst start to the league campaign. Goals scored aside since Portsmouth, the year they went down, and they were in dire. They were yeah. fire selling players. They didn't they have points a coach. deducted from them. The, yeah, the year the administration later. as well. Like it's that's mad. Like I remember I seen a sat nineteen thirty one Manchester United team had a similar record to this and it didn't end well for them. No. So you know, all things considered, Roy Hodgson has a big job in his hands to get them out of there. 
Yeah, uh, but we now move on to the news where uh, in Germany, moving away from England for a few minutes, Carlo Ancelotti has been sacked from Bayern Munich. Poor King Carlo. His time came too soon. What what next for Carlo Ancelotti and what next for Bayern Munich? Well, the rumours of Carlo Ancelotti and have been that like that since before he joined Bayern Munich was that he wants to go back to England. because yeah, he, he loves London. It. He loves London. I think his wife lives in London. She's a Canadian Yeah, woman. that sounds familiar. Um, so he's seen with Rafa Benitez he's always trying to get back to England Carlo wants to come back to England he's only going to manage a big club Champions League-esque club and yeah. London is his ideal uh, destination he's not going back to Chelsea West Ham were rumoured to be after him yeah so are Everton but I just, I just don't think he'll I don't think go he'll that go level I think Arsenal's the only club that we could probably take on like at this point he probably doesn't need to work no, he has. He has. You he could probably go for a break as well. Anyway, exactly, and he has enough clout in the game to come back in a few years' time and probably take another big club, or maybe go back to Italy, or maybe take back over Real Madrid. They've done it in the past. Yeah, they've I could see him. Them. I could see him uh, taking on the Italian team. Yeah, that could be a, an, a, an avenue for him. He is the kind of man manager. He does have tactical now. Although, if you believe the stories coming out of Bayern since he's been sacked. Yeah. He didn't take training often. He didn't no, they were do holding secret training sessions, apparently. Apparently Ryan the Robin, players were doing that, yeah. Ryan Robin saying his eight-year-old was coached better than he was yeah, while Carlo was there. That's pretty disappointing for someone who is known as a you know an Italian tactician, uh, you know, a strategic player who wants his players to play in exactly the way he wants, who, who's famed Milan team that won two Champions Leagues. Yeah, and should have won a third. And could have yeah, at least won a third against Liverpool, the one that they, they gave away. They, you know... What, you know, they they were well drilled. They all played positions. There was no fluid movement or total no. football attempted. It was pressing and unbelievable skill on holding the ball in the counter attack. And that seems to have just gone by the wayside. Maybe he's yeah. getting older. He doesn't care anymore. Yeah, it does. It does seem like he's kind of apathetic at the moment of football management. Maybe maybe, maybe well, a break is what he needs. Maybe the sabbatical that, that Pep took after yeah. he left Barcelona. Maybe it did well for him. Maybe it'll do well for him. Like. For Carlo, like in in Germany, they have they clearly have the best squad in Germany. Yeah, Bayern but they're Munich. five points off the top already. No, but maybe that's what I'm saying. Maybe he got apathetic as a result of that. that yeah, you know, there's no competition. Maybe taking over the new, the new and improved Milan side might be a. He go home and yeah. take over them. Maybe that will be the give him the drive to bring old bring back the old Carlo. Yeah, that that could be a, a match made in heaven, really. Yeah, and Thomas Tuchel it seems will be the. I was looking back at his Tom Tuchel, who was Dortmund manager until last season. Last season, when he left the club three three days after they won the German Cup, yeah, a bit of an odd thing. Apparently, he lost the dressing room, similar to the way Carlos lost the Bayern. Yeah, dressing room. No. it seems like he had arguments with the the board as well. Yeah, like Tuchel is a strange manager. He like he bans pizza. He regulates every aspect of his players' lives. Yeah, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang was given a one-match suspension by Tuchel for going to Italy. I think to visit his family. Yeah, that's yeah. He's a strange. It's like he's a bit of a strange manager. He's still young. He's only forty-four now. Yeah, he did amazing things at Mainz when he brought them up to the Bundesliga. Got yeah. them. He had them. I think he won seven consecutive matches with them at the start of the season when he first got them up, which got them well in the end of yeah, finishing yeah. fifth to qualify into the Europa League, came back, changed the way they played the following season, and they finished well again. And then he left because he said, I can't reinvent the wheel twice. There's something to that effect. Yeah. 
and went to Dortmund then and took them after Klopp had left and you know they're in a very much a transition period they've lost yeah, a lot of players yeah it, it seems kind of harsh to say on Tuchel because I don't think he did a bad job at Dortmund no, but they just, he just kind of you know but his standing has gone the down quo. his standing has gone down even though he won Dortmund's first trophy in five years when he was at the club yeah his standing has gone down since he since the first season. Yeah, he's not he an was. exciting appointment, and it doesn't even seem like he, Bayern want him on a permanent basis or that long of a permanent mm, basis. The either. Hoffenheim manager being they, yeah, the Julian permanent. Nagelsmann. It seems like he's destined to be a Bayern manager. Thirty year old, whatever he is, is very yeah. you know that the Bayern could be thinking of the long game there. Yeah, similar that, to what they, did could, with Pep. they might be thinking he could be their Ferguson maybe or their Wenger. Maybe, and they have been searching for that for a while. They've yeah. always wanted that type of manager and long-term presence. They would have kept Pep happily for all of time if he yeah. gladly stayed they, on. They begged him to try to stay for another year. Was he, the last? He just had to go to Manchester, it seems. It did. He did. It's a different challenge, new challenge. And yeah. Pep's achievements now look better now that Carlo has had his yeah, that's, bubble. Yeah, that's definitely a part of it as well. Like You can't just walk into this Bayern team Apparently a six-year-old can't just win them to the Bundesliga. Apparently not. So someone tells Jose Mourinho that. Yeah, uh, but in Eng- or in Spain rather, Barcelona were playing Las Palmas yesterday. But what was unusual about that match? Well, it was very unusual for a lot of. I don't know if people have been keeping up with the news in Spain over the last day or two, but there was a a vote on, or it wasn't even a, a vote because the vote didn't even happen. Basically, the the Catalonia region where Barcelona is inside wants autonomy from central Spain. It wants to be its own country. It wants yeah, independence, independence to be a republic. Now, this isn't shared by everyone in the country. It's only shared by a lot of people in, in the region. Yeah. And it, it brought me back. The police and the government in Spain declared the vote illegal and they broke up. They, you know, invaded. Invaded is probably not the best word, but they, they stopped voting booths happening. Yeah. They closed polling stations forcibly. They also, you know, were very violent to normal people on the streets. Yeah. It, and the time like this, it came back to me that I looked up an Ernest Hemingway quote is in from Who the Bell Tol- for whom the bell tolls, which is a, a book about the Spanish Civil War written by Hemingway in the thirties. He said, "It is right." He told himself, not reassuringly, but proudly. I believe in people and their right to govern themselves as they wish, but you mustn't believe in killing. He told himself. This kind of came back. Yesterday, when just there was sheer violence against peaceful protests, and yeah. all they wanted was self autonomy. As a result, Barcelona took the decision after being pressured by La Liga. They wanted to call off this match altogether. Yeah, and La Liga were threatening with a six month ban, whatever that was. Supposed yeah, a to six entail. month ban was was mooted. I don't know if it was ever going to go to that. Series. Yeah, the, the would, pre- have been, would have been fun to just see Barcelona call their bluff, though. Yeah, it would have been, but they might have done it. Like it, it, it's not outside the realm of possibility. This is a country that left Franco behind forty years ago, less. Yeah, but this is also a, a league that, that tried to keep Neymar in it more than the team that was actually selling him. True, true, but the, you know, disputes can happen. The league president yeah. is vehemently against Catalonian independence. So you know, people at the club resigned over the decision to keep yeah. the, to keep this match going, but Barcelona to try and compromise. And to show their protest to the decision that the match must go ahead. Like the planning alone, that the, they knew this vote was coming, illegal yeah. or not, for months in advance. And La Liga specifically put this match on the morning of the vote. Yeah, it's a wonder they home. didn't try and postpone the match for just even another 24 hours. 
that's all that Barcelona were imploring, asking for. So instead, Barcelona closed the ground only a short time before the match was going to start. Yeah, it was, there were fans there. There was a lot of confusion before the match as well, whether the match was going to happen at all. Like It was very... Well, nobody wanted it to happen. Jared Piquet spoke very emotionally after the match, yeah. saying like he didn't. He made his views heard and you know they weren't the, the prevailing winds of the club. But... He was very emotional. He said he wouldn't pay for Spain again if he wanted to cause trouble. Yeah, you know it's it's really taken hold over there, and we don't know the fallout from the violence as yet. It could cause a a, a big schism in in the Spanish psyche. Yeah, let alone football over there. Like there is possibility. Like if autonomy, this is a big if and a big hypothetical. If autonomy was granted to Catalonia and Barcelona, what would happen to Barcelona's presence in La Liga? They would not no longer be a Spanish club now. They, yeah, they could. They were offered a place in Liga. That is one possibility. Now there is precedent in European leagues for teams from foreign countries being in the league of another Swansea in the Premier League. Yeah, even. sure. Even in La Liga, Mallorca. Exactly. Well, that is part of Spain. Yeah, or even in Liga, you've Monaco. Monaco, yeah, because it's technically that's, a principality. That's the better example, I suppose. That so it is possible that. They could continue in the league, but at the same time, like you said, if this is the way they're treated by La Liga, if they are considered themselves second-class citizens to the rest of the club because of certain political events outside of football, which should not affect football at all, maybe they will seek out greener pastures where they will be. Like if they went to France, they'd be treated like royalty. Yeah. They would be anything they want. The same as PSG is almost at the moment. You know, anything they want, they'll get. Yeah, a new classical would kind of be formed by PSG in Barcelona there. Exactly. And it's within, like, Barcelona, if anyone's ever been to the region, it's a short hop. It's as close to most French yeah, clubs. Yeah, it's, it's basically in France as it is. It is, yeah. It can Marseille, Toulouse, you know, various yeah. premier... It's not a trek or anything. No, not at all. It's, it's an easy bus trip. It's a lot yeah. closer than a lot of other Spanish clubs are to... Barcelona yeah, as yeah. it is like it's 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 a worrying situation we don't know we'll keep tabs on it we'll see where yeah. it goes in the, in the future we'll see if anything comes out of it and whether this is a one-off event that Barcelona will close their stadium more often it was 99,000 empty I, I believe the club is shutting down tomorrow as a whole for uh, a protest there's a march going on in, in I can't remember where now in Spain yeah for the right for democracy or something mm. like it's a it's an ironic thing because by shutting down this vote They've probably accelerated. Yeah, that is the cause for the. That is the political way to look at it, I guess. It is. It's 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 a it's a weird turn of events to say the least. Yeah, uh, but moving away from the politics and back to the football, more fun topics. Yeah, than violence. And mo- and police moving brutality. closer to home in England, uh, Liverpool uh, faced their former boss Raf Benitez in Newcastle. Another another one one draw. Liverpool are in trouble really are at the moment they can't seem to it's because they signed Alex Oxlade Chamberlain obviously yeah he's, he's cursed them he's cursed them he's brought the Arsenal curse with him over up north but I they did not play well that's to say the least like they no. couldn't create anything Daniel Sturridge played he had a chance or two a couple of movements nice movements he was running on the end of true balls which is something that Firmino wasn't offering them yeah in the past like Mane obviously Will eventually offer them that again whenever he comes back. He was he played yesterday. Did he play? Yeah. Oh, that shows you how much I saw of Mane yeah. yesterday. Couldn't even notice him, but uh, yeah, Liverpool are they're not playing well at the moment. Lovely kit. 
Yeah, I suppose it's kind of nice. It's one of the nicer ones they've had it's in nicer, years. nicer, all right. Like Newcastle, I don't know. The Newcastle goal, I think we both have to admit, was uh, one of the best goals of the season. If anyone didn't see it, M- Matib, the Cameroonian centre-half, yeah, just, an amazing tackle if you actually see it. He's running neck-and-neck neck with J- Jocelyn, the Newcastle forward. Yeah, and he was behind him to start with. Like He's caught up with him. He's caught up with him, has made a beautiful pinpoint challenge, not touched Jocelyn yeah, in any way. Yeah, wouldn't give away a penalty at all. Not at all. And manages to deflect the ball off Jocelyn's shin. Yeah. Who, his face is a thing of beauty as he just, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, as he chased after the ball. Yeah. And then it went into the back of the net. That was still very early in the match, though. It yeah, it was about half an hour, 35 minutes in. Like, why were, were Liverpool just so poor? It just seems like they have a problem, like, just breaking down teams that'll sit back and just let them absorb the pressure and try to catch them on a break. But the. Like, if you remember Klopp's Dortmund teams, they were unstoppable. They were similar to what Spurs are when they're at their best. They wouldn't, uh, they'd love a team to sit back because they couldn't deal with Dortmund. Dortmund would press so high up the pitch. Yeah, but maybe it's just the players. Like, you look at the players that they had at Dortmund. They had Marco Royce, they had Robert Lewandowski, one of the best strikers in the Royce world. Royce was there. They were that good. Mario Goetze, before he kind of had his uh, medical problems. Yeah, but, they just, but whoever Dortmund put up there, they would still manage to stay with it yeah uh, it's just it's become odd like you like the goal that they did score came from a very stereotypical Coutinho goal I wonder has he trademarked it yet well it's just his thing it's it's a trademark it's a good trademark for him to have yeah he just basically pulled off a player worth 150 million apparently well maybe in today's market it might be for Barcelona but pulled off a player put it in the top corner simple as that yeah you know it's if all the players like yeah, why if it's why isn't everyone else? Yeah, why is everyone else doing it? I'm, you know, Coutinho <laughs> makes it look so easy. He does. He makes football look easy, which is why a lot of teams want him and think they can improve their side. But Liverpool are not using him to the best ability at the moment. He did that on his own. Yeah, that just like, kind of happened. There like was no maybe, sequence of play that built up to it that seemed like it was something they would have worked on in the training ground. Yeah, maybe they're lacking a few. Like they have a few injuries still, like that yeah, are important. Like, what like, about Daniel Sturridge? Like Daniel Sturridge was playing yesterday, and he just does not look like his old self at all. No, I don't think that. I think his time at Liverpool is really it's it's yeah. nearing the end. He seems like the kind of striker West Ham could maybe do. Yeah, with he, could, he probably is at that level at this point. Injury prone. He's not. He's not really helping out anything at the moment. He's not contributing anything to the side or adding. Like he, he did offer an avenue, as we said, for runs. Yeah. And he got in and behind a few times, but there, there, there was no. It's not maybe there's no zip to his play anymore. He seems to have lost maybe half a yard of pace, which is a very cliche thing to say. Yeah. But he, he's not getting on the end of these balls. So it's what you think is either the the delivery's got worse or he has got worse, one or the other. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say the delivery's got worse. Like it's the same players there as when he was if not better players than when yeah. they were almost winning the league a few years ago under Rodgers. Yeah, so maybe maybe it is all over for Daniel Sturridge at Liverpool. Yeah, and like for was Firmino injured yesterday? I think it was the tactical choice. Yeah, it was odd. I I, I still feel like Firmino just plays better at like the spearhead of their attack yeah but maybe they thought like Newcastle are not they're a very tactically astute team they've got Rafa Benitez obviously yeah but they're not a team to do the classic everyone camp within 30 yards of the box they do build out a bit more than the average Burnleys of this world not no disparages against Burnley but they do play a bit more football they do try and come up with a bit more 
action. They're not a, they're not quite a classic counter attacking team. No, they have a bit more about them in, in ingenuity and stuff like that. And they have to be. That's their that's their kind of competitive advantage in the Premier League. Is they have Benitez and he's able to do that. But is Benitez what Liverpool actually ironically need? Probably like if. The ownership situation had not been the way it was when Benitez left the club. Yeah, Hicks they, they, and they were a were complete the mess. They weren't buying any players. They Almost were selling went his, into administration. They did. They sold his best player from under him at the time, Fernando Torres. Steven Gerrard was ageing. They weren't replacing anyone. Xabi Alonso was sold. Yeah. You know, I can't. you can't blame him for leaving at the time, but I would think that Benitez at the Liverpool sides that Rodgers and Klopp have gone over have presided over yeah. I think he would have come at least as close to winning the league yeah. if not actually succeeding in maybe a bit something. more consistent because if you look at the way that they finished in the league like under Rodgers they had four and he was there four seasons wasn't mm-hmm. it and like only once did he finish in the Champions League places exactly and uh, Benitez went to Italy brought Napoli up to the Champions League positions multiple occasions yeah and they're still kind of seeing the fruits of his labour even today yeah exactly he brought through a lot of the players that are that are thriving in that side at the moment yeah so maybe a job switch would be in, in offer. I don't think Liverpool... Clop, clop at Newcastle. <laughs> it could work. It could work. He'd love the time. He'd love the, yeah, the, the support. The passion. Exactly. He loves that. He lives off that. But I don't see him... Benitez probably would love to go back to Liverpool and Liverpool would probably benefit from having him. Yeah, I, the Liverpool fans still love him. From but I, I know they don't love him enough to bring him back. No, Liverpool always not. want something new and exciting as a manager. That's why they've gone through so many of them yeah. in recent years and they won't go back to Benitez, I don't think. No, but other new and exciting, or well, maybe not new, but exciting managers, Pep Guardiola took on Antonio Conte at the weekend. The game of the season so far, it's been touted as. A, a, a tactical battle. It was an interesting, well, it was interesting in from a tactical point of view. I, it was as if, it reminded me of the Everton-Chelsea match earlier in the season, but in reverse. Yeah. It's as if Pep watched, okay, this is how Chelsea are playing against Everton. This is how I'll play against them. <laughs> they just press right up on the wings, which is the way uh, City were, that Chelsea were actually playing out yeah. from the back. Playing out to the wing backs. He over he overloaded the wings with his yeah, centre midfielders he, and his. But he overloaded in such an odd way. Like if you look at where the fullback, the two fullbacks actually ran, they ran centrally a lot more than you would normally think. Mm, who would basically? So if we don't have a diagram to show this to you, but we would say. His two attacking midfielders, which is David Silva and Kevin, and De, Bruyne. Kev- Kevin De Bruyne, actually moved out to the wings to almost man mark Marcus Alonso and yeah. the right wing back. Uh, Cesar Aspilicueta. And as a result of that, those lads, those lads, those two wing backs had to play inside. And yeah. then if they played inside, they had two, their midfielders would then be faced with two very defensive players against them who were the fullbacks Kyle Walker and uh, it was Danilo that played Danilo there. or no it was Fabian oh, Delft oh Fabian Delft I, yeah, how could I forget exactly and they were just blocking everything off and as a result they controlled the game Man City just controlled every aspect of the game I didn't see Chelsea have really any real no, opportunities no especially after Morado went off like that's a, that's a that blow half an hour in yeah like it is a blow I don't think it affected Chelsea that much though like I don't think it made them much worse I think they were bad overall yeah, it reminded me, it was very Mourinho-esque performance against a top-four rival where he, he aims to nullify the opposition. Yeah. Like, he played a very defensive mode, and then when Morata got injured, he brought on... Willian. Willian, another runner, who's yeah. not a, a striker the way that... No, and you were seeing seeing them try to play long balls through Cesc Fabregas, and obviously they didn't have David Luiz to help with that as well. Mm-hmm. But 
there was no one up there. It was like they were playing a three five two zero as opposed to just a three five two. Yeah. Like there was just no one there for them to actually aim for. To receive, to play it off, to yeah, bring to, the play forward. To let Hazard kind of run through and play exactly. off of. It's it was weird. It was like he almost consigned himself, okay, it's one nil, we'll keep it at one nil. Yeah. We might get something, not likely, but we might get something, we'll move on to the next match. He was happy to get out of there without getting beaten the way that say Liverpool were against them. Yeah. Because Liverpool have an excuse for that match. I know yeah. it was Chelsea kind of do as well. They lost Morata, but Liverpool lost. But they were able to replace him. <laughs> exactly. Liverpool lost Mane to, and you know, a psychological blow that was as well because suddenly the Liverpool team were on the back foot from that. Yeah, and they were already 1 0 down at Ex- that point. Exactly, and it kind of just destroyed morale, and then the whole team just collapsed. Yeah. This was like, it wasn't an as emphatic win, but I think it was just as disappointing a performance as the Liverpool one. But so do we hand City the title now that they've dethroned the champions? We may as well, to be quite honest. We had a long discussion about after the, only After only seven games? No, you know, it's not over. We still have, They still have to play each other. Of course it's not over. We're not even contemplating that the league season yeah. is over yet. It's, we're just being, you know, facetious at the yeah. moment. Man City are the best team. They have the best players. But, but the, you can make an argument that last season Man City still had better players than Chelsea. Man United yeah. probably had better players than Chelsea. And they didn't come close to winning the league. No, but Chelsea also didn't have Europe last season. True, and that could have an effect, but we've only had two matches so far in Europe. That's true, and Chelsea obviously had a had the disadvantage with the way the the fixtures in Europe were played this weekend. True, that they play on Wednesday and Saturday, so yeah. it's a bit more tiring on them. But they had a good performance in the midweek. It's not, and it's early in the season. I know they're saying, oh, they have a week to prepare. Yeah. I, I find that a bit... I, I wouldn't buy the excuse just yet. If it was April and they had nine games in four weeks or something, then I'd maybe it'll be a bit more sympathetic towards mm. Antonio Conte. But for now, can we just the last three league champions have been Chelsea, Leicester, and, and Chelsea. Chelsea. All three of them weren't in Europe that season. Uh, Chelsea were. Were Chelsea? Were they weren't? In, were they in the Champions League that season? Yeah. Was that not the season they got to? Was that the year they lost to PSG? Or was it, that was, oh, that you're was, right. You're right. So it's only the last two seasons yeah. that, the, that the league champions have not been in Europe. And people made, oh, it's such a big deal. And when Liverpool almost won the league under Brendan Rodgers, it's because they weren't in Europe yeah. and so on and so forth. Well, no. Brent, you could, it's, you're finding, you're finding yeah. causation where there's just correlation. As in, these things are just happened. They're coincidence. Yeah. They're not the reason why like, these things happened. The real reason Liverpool did so well that year is because they had the best player in the league. They did. And they had the best forward unit in the league that all yeah. operated great I, I wouldn't necessarily say Europe was the the reason why Leicester were able to go on their charge. There were a multitude of reasons why they were able to go on and win that league. And there's enough reasons there. Like, you could write a book on how Leicester actually... Exactly. Otherwise, West Brom will win the league this season because they don't have European football. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it, it doesn't really necessarily make sense. You can make just as much argument that the last three league title winners had tiny playing squads yeah Mourinho when he won the league the Chelsea tight squad but he only used what he only used uh, like a, for more than a few matches there was only about 15 players who played that yeah who played more than half the matches during the league campaign something similar was a ridiculously small number for Leicester as well and with Chelsea and with Chelsea last again. season and they, that means that means one they got very lucky with injuries which yeah. you can not yeah, like Liverpool haven't been lucky with injuries this season Man City haven't been lucky with injuries we can yeah even like Man United have been missing a few players as well exactly They've like Paul Pogba's out for however long now yeah don't no return date for him at all yeah. exactly so you know these are very important players and they're out and without them maybe teams don't win the league simple as that yeah like Arsenal as well obviously have been 
injury well, in over the last 10 imagine, years. Imagine if Tottenham lost Harry Kane. Where would they be in the league? Yeah, and like look at how many goals he It's 11 goals in the past however many... I think he got 13 goals this month. 13 September. goals in September after none in August. Yeah, like, like that's an incredible record. You know, and he includes hat-tricks, it includes every different type of goal yeah. and you know Spurs were hurt like, as we said earlier in the, in the programme Spurs are still level on points with Arsenal yeah so it doesn't you know different things can happen as a result of, of different things yeah and like I, I'm like it's not as easy to say oh there's no Europe but, like there's so many different reasons why a team wins mm. the league like injuries is a huge part like just the way the fixtures fall is a yeah. huge part like you could end up playing in Christmas, the busiest time of the year. You could end up playing for the other top six. You could just and like that. What we were talking about, Man United haven't had had a significant challenge yet. They could, but that might matter because they could get to the middle to the end of October yeah. without playing any of their major yeah, and rivals. Like having to start that way, like it's a great way to build momentum exactly. going into their first. They could big go game. into that first big game, have loads of points, be top of the league almost. Yeah, it's an, like they As could. A, as opposed to, say, Tottenham and Chelsea, who started the season playing against each other in the second match. Exactly, and they've obviously taken points off each other as a result of that, yeah. and then they're just that bit far behind. And that just helps the two Manchester clubs and anyone anyone else not involved exactly. in the Exactly, so it's just the way the fixtures have fallen this season. Yeah. So, we, we've a lot yet to be seen. Like, we'll see come Christmas, we'll probably do a comprehensive review of where the first half of the season yeah. was won and lost. And it could be, as you said, injuries, it could be fixture list. Yeah, it could be as simple as that. That'll be the end of part one. Uh, join us after part two where we'll talk about N'Golo Kante. Welcome back to the Total Football Podcast. In, now we're going to go do our topic of the show. Now, I we haven't really spoken about this beforehand, but I I've noticed... And obviously, when, when Leicester did win the league, there were three key central players to that. Jamie Verdi, Riyad Mahrez, and N'Golo Kante. Now, the two former players there, they've stayed at Leicester. Their former's regressed back to where they were before. But N'Golo Kante went on last season and won player of the season. Now, the debate here isn't, did N'Golo Kante deserve player of the season? That's a debate that would have been had last May. But watching them play yesterday, or on Saturday... What did he contribute to the team when they were 1-0 down? Very little would be my assertion. He, like, yesterday, Conte adopted a new, not a new system, but a system that was slightly different, akin to the one he played in midweek against Atletico Madrid, where he had two holding players. Yeah. And then Fabregas was free to actually play rather than play in the holding position. Yeah, he could play maybe more of a quarterback position or he could play further forward. But maybe the fact that Fabregas wasn't there anymore meant that Conte wasn't looking as swashbuckling as he normally does because say when he played when Kante played alongside Danny Drinkwater or when he played alongside Cesc Fabregas last season yeah. those players were not defensively minded players no, at all no they, they weren't doing the tackling they never made tackles they never ran a huge amount of distance they never got back and made those goal saving blocks and clearances and now that Kante is backed up by someone else he doesn't look as no, frightfully good anymore you wonder anymore. what the point is in him being in the team at all sometimes he has, you know, he's a great engine, but he isn't technically gifted in the way that Bapioko, say, is... Bakioko. Bakioko. I still, still seen Babi Arrow is ruining me. But the way that other players in the Chelsea team are, 
you know, they like Bakayoko can, you know, he can play basically anywhere in the midfield and for, further forward even. Yeah. Because he's that talented, he's that skillful, he's that intelligent of a footballer. Kante is very fit. He's very yeah. He can, up for he the runs game. around a lot. He's very committed to the to the performance, but he's not a wonderful passer at the ball. He's not spraying long balls the way that. Fabregas no, even can. just at one point against Man City, there was a time when Cesc Fabregas, I think it was Cesc Fabregas, drifted in a great ball from the left into the right edge of the box mm-hmm. and it fell to N'Golo Kante and you just thought if it fell to any other player would Chelsea would be in there he would have a better chance but instead he just completely fluffed it I think he might have got a corner out of it what about the notion of putting David Luiz in the Kante position if you're playing another holding midfielder if you're playing Danny Drinkwater if you're playing Bakayoko alongside I think that could work because Luiz offers that bit of creativity he offers that bit of you know Skillful play on the he ball. He has that he range pass. of yeah. passing. He can shoot. Yeah. Kante, you know, Kante's goal scoring record isn't as bad as you would have him believe by oh, two way, goals at Chelsea, three. But the way they celebrate when he scores, it's as if, you know, this a goal yeah. he scores. But if you do look at the goals he has scored, like the one against, was it Leicester this season? He just took a shot and you wonder why Kasper Schmeichel didn't save that. Yeah, and you have a bit of that and you have like the one he scored I think last season, one of the ones he scored. He got two against United last season. One of them, remember it was a tap-in, it was just created for him and left on yeah, a plate. Yeah, Hazard, you know, yeah, just it wasn't, goal. You know, it wasn't the you know, great skillful play to get in there. Like, maybe his time has passed and he had two wonderful seasons where he was everywhere. He was, like you cannot deny his stats. He makes the most tackles oh, in all think, the European leagues. I think what he achieved with that Leicester team was fantastic, but I don't, I don't think what he did and last with Chelsea. season was it really like I think. Well, he made more tackles than anyone else. Now maybe there was accentuating circumstances that allowed him to make those tackles. If he was making the tackles of himself and Fabregas, you know, and you, some you, you, you look at someone that like I remember there was a clip going around last season where Fabregas had lost possession and Kante won it back immediately. Mm-hmm. And then Kante gave the ball away, and then he won possession back immediately, and then he gave it away again, and then he won it back again. The Kevin Kilban complex of his second touch always being a tackle. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there is there is a bit of that about him that maybe he you know he isn't at that elite level that you know his position in the club as player of the year would lead you to believe yeah, he, he you know he seems like the kind of player that Chelsea would want to come on if they were one up against Man City, but to take off immediately once they go one nil down. Yeah, the John Obi Mikel type of yeah. utility role, you know. You could be right. Maybe his time has passed at the to- at the very like, top. Especially, echelon. you see, they brought in Bakayoko this season, and he just seems like he is just a, a more versatile version of what Kante is. Like he's a very good tackler, but he, he can also pass. He can actually take part in the build-up play mm-hmm. of a Chelsea attack. Well, you see, maybe it's because football goes in cycles, especially in midfield. Is that you get a time where. You want uh, position-focused players, as in the, they have a role and that is their only role they're yeah. playing. This is why, uh, was part of the reason why Claude McAlealy was sold from Real Madrid in the Galacticos era, is because he could only play one position. And they're like, the managers were like, well, he can only do one thing, that's a waste of a position. Yeah. He could ta- we could get a player that could tackle and play the ball forward. Yet he goes to Chelsea and he becomes a legend at the club because of that skill he had and then everyone wanted a Claude McAlady player that evolved then to skillful creative small Spanish players David yeah, Silva Alonso Savi, the Fabregas the Alonso type of player who kind of could do tackling and could do positional defensive play but were also amazing going forward 
And then you have the box box Stephen Gerrard's, Paul Pogba's of the world, yeah. who don't really have a defined role, who don't have immense skill or immense talent in one particular yeah, area. Yeah, they're just kind of a jack of all trades. They're an all-rounder, exactly. So maybe we've had a couple of years now where there has been a defined roles, like lesser, very systematic team. Jamie Vardy ran the ball. Riyad Mahrez went up the wings, did the channels and crossed yeah. the ball. Kante made tackles. Drinkwater made short passes. The defence did their job. Chelsea, similarly, their fullbacks ran up and down the wings. The defenders held their positions and brought the ball forward. Kante made tackles. Fabregas passed it. Eden Hazard beat players. And whoever was up front costs at the time would score goals. Very functional, won the league. It's very similar to the way Real Madrid kind of play as well. Yeah, Maybe that's coming around and changing. Maybe we're moving back to a place where maybe we have a more all-rounder type of game, the way Manchester City and Manchester United play. There isn't a... De- like, who plays that defined Canty role in the Man City side at the moment? You don't really think of anyone as no. the, the tackler in the team. No. Like, Fernandinho and Gundogan can kind of play in a similar area in the pitch, but you wouldn't say what they do in the pitch is the same as what Canty does. No, you'd say it'd be closer to the Bakayoko type of player, the all-rounder, the Matic. Yeah. Matic... I wouldn't consider Matic necessarily a complete destroyer. He does play passing as well and plays it forward and he's at Man United right now. Similarly in Liverpool, there's absolutely no player like that yeah. in Liverpool, which is my, why they're in a bit of defensive quandary. And Spurs as well, they don't have like Eric Dyer maybe, yeah, a converted centre-back, but it's only because he's converted centre-back. They do centre-back. Have Wanyama as well. Indeed they do, but Wanyama's influence on the matches, if you've noticed the last couple of seasons, has become less and less since he originally yeah. exploded onto the scene. And it seems like Dembele is is in and out of the team these days. I I can't remember seeing him at all this season. He is a bit of a he is a foot injury that apparently is oh, threatening okay. his I, career. I was wondering why I hadn't heard much about him this he season. He had surgery over the summer and it it took, but then he said he wouldn't be the same player again, which is probably not a good thing to say it, to the public. No, uh, but yeah, he's being uh, treated very carefully. I think at the moment. I mean, You'd worry a bit about him, but again, he's in that kind of he's an all rounder type of player as well. Yeah, in the, in the vein. But so, of what what does this mean for the Premier League going forward for midfielders? Well, the midfield role is probably the most evolved, or is the most cyclical of the mm-hmm. positions on the pitch. Like the way in which it went from possession, possession football and back out of possession football so quickly. Yeah, whereas you don't see that in defence. Like you see now, they like to play out from the back, but I think. That's been an, an evolution of 20 years in the making. Yeah, that's been just the way the players have gone. I don't think it's it's, an, it's not a tactical choice the way that this midfield type of role is yeah. changing. You know, two years ago, you would be, not laughed, but it would be ridiculous to assert that any team in the Premier League would play a 3-5-2 formation. Yeah. And now at least half of them are doing it, or at least yeah, two of them like, are doing it. Because Van Hal did try it when he started at Man United, but was everyone was Such a foreign of, concept. Yeah, it? everyone was like, this is ridiculous. You can't do this in England. And obviously yeah, it didn't no turn one knows out how well. To play, no one knows how to play a three at the back. It's yeah. very specialised. You have, you have to have wing backs, blah, blah, blah. But then amazingly, players adapt. Teams adapt. And these things happen. The same could have been said 15 years ago about 4-5-1 no one in England would dare play 4-5-1 and it'd be so negative and defensive and you know there, there's no specialist you know inside forwards in England anymore and so, no. and so on it's all centre forwards and now the traditional English centre forward doesn't really exist you can make an argument about Kane but I don't think he's a traditional no I, I would say he's more of a continental he is he's like Robert Lewandowski he's like he can do know? so many things he can he can play he can run he can create it's he can not, take corners he can take corners sometimes but he's not an Alan Shearer getting in the right place at the right time. He's not no. a fox in the box, Alan Smith or you know Gary Lineker type. But of he's there. he's all of those things. Yeah, that's and that's modern football. That's the Paul Pogba issue. Maybe the game is just shifting towards a more unified, universal player. 
Yeah, you think of when Paul Pogba was at United first, and you think he he just didn't his kind of player didn't fit into what football was then. Yeah, and that's correct. that's kind of why he left in the end because Ferguson just didn't want to play him. Yeah, because he didn't fit into the team. But now football has come full circle again, and Paul Pogba is the exact kind of midfielder you want in your team. Yeah. I still say the jury's a bit out on Paul Pogba and that many Yeah, I'm, I'm more He's using not, Paul Pogba as a... As a catch-all as a, for, yeah, for all Yeah, as an example. Players, you know, for who, who, who else is like Paul Pogba and, and has succeeded in that? Blaise Matuidi, maybe, perhaps. Yeah. A similar type of player who's now at Juventus. You know, all action, all the time type of player. Wants to be defending, wants to be attacking, wants to be passing, wants to be running up and down. That's, you know... Yeah, that, and, and there is obviously, like... Pogba is a unique athlete in mm-hmm. some sense as well. Like you look at his long strides, he's the way in which he can go back and forth up the pitch yeah. for a whole ninety minutes. It is, it is unique. Like players, players do have good stamina these days, but his is maybe it, maybe it's just he could go through the pitch in such a quick way of time, just through his strides. He doesn't yeah. need to be as fit as everyone else, yeah. but he still is. Correct. You know that's that's. That's the way modern football is, and it has to be now. And that's the way his body has made him worthy of it. And we'll see whether his skill and everything else can take him forward any further than he is at the moment. Yeah, and and obviously, as you said, the jury is still kind of out. I th- I think he has started the season well, but we we need to see how he reacts to coming back from his injury as well. Absolutely. Uh, that that will be the end of our topic of the show. We will be back in for part three to look at the international fixtures coming up. So we are back now to look at the international fixtures. And Andrew, what fixtures coming up in the final round of the qualifiers do you think have any significance? Well, there's actually loads. And probably this weekend... For international football, it will be a lot more interesting probably the last 15 or so international breaks because a lot of the positions in the World Cup left open will actually be decided this weekend. 32 teams can qualify, 8 have qualified so far. That includes the host Russia, Brazil are already there, Belgium are the first European side there, Mexico or Japan are there, Japan, South Korea, Saudi Arabia, Iran. They are already in and they're set and they're happy out. This weekend, France, Germany, England, Poland, Spain are probably going to qualify. They, they yeah. have winnable matches and they're just about there. Meanwhile, there is a lot of playoff matches to be decided and playoff positions to be decided, yeah. which happened in November. But the playoffs... The These act- are the playoffs to qualify for the playoffs. Exactly. So. To us, personally, we're in Ireland, obviously. So the most important one to us, Ireland are playing Wales this weekend. Yeah. Uh, they're playing on Monday. Or Monday, the end of the weekend, uh, if you will. They're playing in the Millennium Stadium. Yeah, and uh, Real Madrid are trying to convince Gareth Bale that this is not a match of any importance. And if that is the only thing keeping Ireland going at the moment, they like a lot of Ireland's players, in fairness, have played better this season than they probably played at the beginning of most other seasons in the previous years, including years they've qualified for tournaments. Yeah. But they have not you know, shown that that ability on the pitch. They had very disappointing results last month. If they, even one of them could have been turned into a victory... They would be talking about a whole other story exactly. right Exactly, they would be in pole position. All they'd have to do is avoid defeat against Wales. Now they actually have to beat Wales. Yeah. And, you know, then even then they're not guaranteed a qualifying berth. Yeah, because of the way the playoffs are done. There's nine groups, but only eight teams can get to the playoffs. So yeah. the worst... The worst second-place team doesn't even get into the playoffs. And at the moment, Ireland's group with Wales is the worst second-place team. Is it? Team. Is it? No, it I is bottom of the, the league. Table. So there's not, you know... 
Ireland ha- a draw say if Ireland somehow get a draw in this match and then the final match well you, you would think that they'd beat Moldova you think they would but Ireland say win that but that Moldova match doesn't come into play in terms of the actual seeding of the exactly so Ireland would still even if Ireland somehow conspire to draw this match and still qualify they prob- or still qualify as playoff position yeah. they probably still wouldn't get a playoff match no. so this is a must win there's no other if this isn't a win that's it the, the group is over yeah. Wales are in the playoffs or at least have a chance of being in the playoffs and Ireland are goosed yeah it does seem that way uh, but should Martin O'Neill leave at the end of this campaign I think whether they qualify or not, he should leave. I think a decision must be made at the top. But he's he's got us to the Euros. He has. He has had a, had a good run, but his methods have become more and more stale. And with international football, there is no problem with changing your manager every couple of cycles. In rugby, it's almost seen as if you don't do it, there's something kind of wrong. Yeah. And in other sports, it's like that as well. I know there is something to be said for continuity. And Ireland did reasonably well keeping managers like Jack Charlton and Mick McCarthy for long periods of time. And there was a bit of... there were but. In those times, there was more planned think- thinking than there is now. The managers really did, you know, get into the bread and butter, the grassroots of the game. Yeah. They tried to coach from upwards and downwards. I know it was a different time, so things were different than they are now, where it actually is more money and more focus on that side of things. Yeah. But I think a manager who has more, uh, more wholesale approach to the game, uh, you know, could do a lot more good for the whole game than so, Martin O'Neill. So who is it that you would like to see come in? Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. You know, you would say Marco Marco Bielsa at, from Lille just that for it, the crack. Yeah, just the banter, really. Yeah, but there there isn't. You know, that's the thing. There isn't. I think Ireland probably should. You know, look to cultivate and promote from inside. Yeah, there's the there's the Cork City manager and the Dundalk. You know, Brinker was a bit tactically naive when it came to real high level international football. He, he was another man who came from the inside and took Ireland on and didn't do that well with Ireland, did better than you know, the previous campaign but and the proceeding campaign that Steve Staunton was manager of. But at the same time, he didn't do that well. He was shown out. And there is an argument for maybe bringing in some international nous and experience. Like, there is managers out there who would have to take an international job. Yeah. Like, there was talk at, at different times of, you know, player or managers in the ilk of Martin O'Neill, the Sam Allardyces of this world. Yeah. And whether they'd be interested in it. And it's kind of worked out for other countries. Chris Coleman, you know, not, not considered like the top grade manager. No, like the last job I remember him being in was relegating Fulham, or nearly relegating Fulham, rather. Well, he did okay. In the end, he did okay with Fulham, and then he took on Real Sociedad and didn't do as well there, but he had personal things going on. He was still a young manager. Yeah. He still is a young manager. Maybe, you know, this is the pinnacle of his career, and fair enough, it's it's been pretty good for him. But a, a manager in that ilk that can actually, you know, has experience, a Steve Saunton-esque appointment that actually had experience, not just... Yeah oh, this guy was great for us for 100-odd games. Let's give him the job and let's watch us crash and burn against yeah. Cyprus. You know, something like that. And maybe have someone for him to learn. A Bobby Robson character. So what about Roy Keane? Roy Keane, if he'd be willing to do it and if he'd be willing to actually have, play an active interest in the football being yeah. played. 
because I like Roy Keane has been spotted at matches. I don't remember ever seeing Martin O'Neill at a Premier yeah. League match watching the players. There's not many Irish players in the Premier League. Well, there's just watch Burnley every yeah, watch buy Burnley. a Burnley season ticket. Sure, exactly. just bring in Sean Dyche to be manager at the same time. Yeah, that could work very well if Sean Dyche was available. I, I'd imagine he'd be a great. He'd appointment. be. I'd love Sean Dyche. But I don't think he's coming. Brendan Rodgers was muted in the past as well, and I don't think he's coming either. Ah, that'd be fun though. But like, look up north and what My- Michael O'Neill has done. A Northern Ireland international. He played at a reasonable high level in Scotland and in England playing for Newcastle previously. He had decent experience in League of Ireland. Yeah. He'd, he'd won trophies in League of Ireland. Gone like he was a, at Dundalk, wasn't he? He was at Shamrock Rovers. Oh, I was at Shamrock Rovers. And he got them into European up. football, which yeah. was the first the time oh, for yes, a group, yeah, making yeah. group stages in, in 20 years since the old champ, European Cup format. Um so he had done something, but then he just went leaps and bounds. He threw himself into the job. He, you know, examined grassroots football. He did his best to not let as many players leap to the Republic as were done before. You know, that's something that has to be applauded, and maybe it's something that can be sought in another manager. But we're all speaking very quickly. Like yeah. they haven't. I, let I them play the first few matches, maybe first. I find it highly unlikely that John Delaney at the FBI will take an interest yeah. enough to get rid of Martin O'Neill, whether Ireland win, lose or draw this match against Wales. Yeah, it might, be, it might depend on if Martin O'Neill will step down or not. Exactly. The right thing to do would be for him to leave. And it seems like he could do that. Like He doesn't seem that interested in the He's job. He's getting paid a lot of money to do very little. Yeah, but he could get paid a lot of money to go to Premier League as well. But that's a lot more work than... Maybe. Taking a couple of weeks. But then you wouldn't have to talk to Tony O'Donoghue. Yeah, poor so. Tony O'Donoghue. What, what about the other matches? Is there any of them that catch your eye? Uh, Scotland plays Slovenia in England's group and Scotland might actually claw their way back. Speaking of dead men walking, yeah. Gordon Strachan has been a dead man since he didn't qualify for Euro 2016. Yeah, somehow. He's just... I don't know how he still has that job. He's not liked... You know, he's a former By Celtic. Anyone. No, he's a former Celtic manager that wasn't even liked at Celtic, let yeah. alone Rangers, the other side of Glasgow. He, you know, like what? What can he? It'd be amazing. I, I don't know why he's in that job. It's like it's same thing as Ireland, and the same reason Ireland had Trapattoni and had Stan for so long was because the FA, the FA, the board, the apathy. They didn't care. They didn't want to have to deal with the problem. Yeah. And that's something that's happened in Scotland as well. Like they hired Craig Levine to try and rebuild the whole Scottish order, and he went and played no strikers. It was in Moldova or someone like yeah, Macedonia. Yeah, someone like that. Maybe um, Macedonia. Maybe he went and played no strikers in a, a, a winnable match, and it was kind of appalling. He was sacked for that. But Gordon Strachan talks a great game. He talks about how you know he wants to get the players there, kicking the ball against the wall and learning its skill and getting the ball to play with the football and, you know, don't worry about winning and all this. He talks a great game, but it hasn't transferred over to the pitch. Like, it's a country of millions of people, more than way more than Ireland have for a playing pool. Yeah, and, like, a lot of Premier League managers have been Scottish over the last few years. Exactly, like, and they have good, you know, they obviously have tactical now, so they, they it's just some kind of weird stoppage. Yeah, they, they have just a psychological block, it seems, when it comes to actually qualifying for these things. Like, they had qualification in their hands in the Orals, as you mentioned, mm. and they ended up losing to Georgia. You know, and, uh, like, I do not believe, really, I could be proven wrong, and you're welcome to tell me if I'm wrong as soon as it happens, but I don't think, I don't see them getting any result needed. No, I, I don't necessarily think that they will get the playoffs, but if they do, it would be very impressive. Mm. Considering where they were just even a year ago, 
Um, but Group I is another group that I, I've seen. That it involves four teams that are separated by two points. One team beginning with I. Yeah, Iceland are in second at the moment uh, behind Croatia. They're level on top with 16 points. The heroes of France. And uh, two points behind Ukraine and uh, who's the other team? It's Turkey. Turkey, yeah. Uh, Iceland play Turkey this weekend. It's on Friday night. It's a six-pointer, if you will. I th- yeah, Friday evening. It is a six-pointer. If Iceland can win that, the, that will secure a playoff place, you would think. At least, yes. Yeah. I think Iceland, like Iceland have had some weird results in that group. They didn't beat Finland, I remember, at one stage when it was, the group was in their hands at that point yeah. and they didn't take advantage of it. Uh, Turkey are a good side. They have a lot of good players. But that Iceland team just have such belief behind them. Yeah. And they do have a very firm unit. It's a case like maybe Gilfi Sigurdsson can turn it on for Iceland the way he hasn't done for Everton. That I think they could get through. It's going to be a tough match. They could still get out of the group without beating Turkey and winning their other matches yeah. and stuff like that. So it's not the end of the world if they get a draw, but it doesn't suit Turkey. So they'll be going for this as well. Yeah, it's it's all it's all open. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out because there's fixtures on Friday and then there's fixtures on Tuesday and there's fixtures in both of those days that we'll see how that group plays out. Mm. I think it's the only group where that really happens. Yeah. Like Portugal plays Switzerland in what is basically a playoff, but I, I don't think that's of the same kind of consequence that this will be. Yeah, there there doesn't seem to be that, you know, that urgency to that game. Like both teams are already qualified in Portugal. Yeah. So or not qualified, but they're already in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and you would think that Portugal would be okay with a playoff yeah they generally they generally do well out of the playoffs in recent years so it's not the end of the world for them so yeah it is the most interesting it's the most to play for there is a bit of action going on there's other international matches that I'd like to speak about as well yeah there's some out of Europe yeah the main one is in CONCACAF in North America where at the moment the United States of America lie in the playoff position just behind Panama and they're playing Panama this Saturday night in Orlando if the United States don't win that match they are. I think they're basically done. They won't get the playoff match because they're right behind them is Honduras, yeah, who have winnable matches, or at least doable matches at this stage, and could get that sneak that playoff position ahead of them, yeah. And then you know, that would be a complete farce of a situation. They sacked Jurgen Klinsmann, who you know I think his time had run, yeah, at America, but they brought in the old manager Bruce Arena, who has done nothing to change the match. He's been criticised and often times because he just doesn't shake up the squad. He doesn't bring in new players. He doesn't try new things. Yeah. It's kind of an opposite to Klinsmann's issue. And I don't think not either of them are really helping the situation. So this could be vindication for those who want Arena out. But at the same yeah. time, it would be the first World Cup in the United States haven't qualified for in, since 86. Yes. And they were amateur in 90 when they qualified. So this is pretty appalling that if they don't get this result on Saturday night yeah Panama, and Panama. usually the World Cup does well in America like it's the one time in, in every four, four years, years that America actually watches the sport it is and they get new players from it and if they do, it'll be yeah, a, a tragedy if they, if they don't qualify that interest won't be there and there'll be a generation of people growing up that just won't have an interest in football and there's a World Cup going to be on there in eight years time yeah potentially yeah no I think it's been granted hasn't it uh, I don't think they've confirmed that yet because I'll have to go through a whole process to confirm that I'm okay but I think most likely it's going to be in the United States in eight yeah, years time yeah you, you would think that it will most likely be there and you know that would mean a lot of players who are you know kids now who are like soccer who are playing who are 10 yeah they'll be the people that will be playing in that World Cup exactly and if they don't have this World Cup to cling to 
maybe they won't continue playing football. Yeah. Maybe they won't have that career. Maybe the United States will do worse than before. There's one other match I want to talk about in international football. Or not one other match, but it's one other one other thing re- to look out for. Region is South America. At the moment Argentina sit in the final playoff position. If they win that match, they go on to play New Zealand in a playoff. Or if not, if they win the match, if they hold on to that position, they go yeah. on to play. They have tough matches up in the high altitudes of Bolivia. Yeah, and they have a terrible record in Bolivia. Exactly. Chile are right there as well, right behind them, one point yeah. behind. And they could also qualify this weekend. But one of these big teams is almost certain not to get there. Which do you think it'll be? Argentina with Messi? It's probably the last real chance of the World Cup. It would be a shame to see Argentina not qualify. Like Chile have had uh, three three great tournaments on the bounce now, isn't it? They had mm-hmm. a good... They won two... Uh, what well, do they call it? Copa Americas. They had a good World Cup before that. Like they, they, They've spent a lot of time together. You wonder maybe is there a bit of fatigue... Yeah. Is that why they've not been playing as well? Possibly, like Alexis Sanchez has not had the last good. Yeah, you know. apparently there's unrest within the team as well. Like uh, there were problems with Sanchez and other players apparently mm. earlier in the campaign. Although maybe that's sorted out by now. It's just they're not performing the way they should be performing. Yeah, and similar for Argentina, like they changed managers. Yeah, you you would think with San Paoli now in the team that they would be able to play. But they haven't put in one good performance in San Paoli. Manager. But they've only played twice since San Paoli came came in. Played twice competitively, but they haven't. Neither of those games, they were winnable matches. Yeah, and they didn't put in any kind of. That's a fair point. Yeah, like it is very worrying, and you know it's Messi's last real chance to put the critics. Yeah, yeah. You wonder if they don't even qualify for the World Cup. What what will happen with Messi going forward? He'll probably just he's retired retire. before. Yeah, he retired before. He'll retire again. It's it's weird. It's just that curse that follows Messi around when it comes to international football. Yeah, so close yet so far. Yeah, and this could be the final leg, the final humiliation if he doesn't qualify. Yeah, and that that'll be a damage to his reputation in Argentina anyway. Oh yeah, like Should... people in Argentina will always consider Maradona the better player as long as he's the one that's won the World Cup for them. Exactly, and there isn't there's nothing Messi can do bar winning a World Cup in impressive style. To yeah, that. and he's. Gotten so close. <laughs> and what will the World Cup be without Argentina? That's yeah, you, you see them as... An, they're kind of like a, maybe a South American Holland, in a way. Like, it's not a World Cup without them, but yeah. they're never really always up there. Yeah, sometimes they just have dire World Cups, like 2002 yeah. and stuff like that. But it's still Argentina. Like, they have... They always have... And they have such a good team as well. They like, always have such a good team. But, like, it's not even just Messi. Like, they have players like Dybala, Icardi. Yeah. A lot of players have come through that weren't there even four years ago in, in Brazil in the World Cup that got to the final. Yeah. Like, most of the players... Most of the core team from that side are still in place. Di Maria's still there. Yeah. Messi's obviously still there. Mascherano's still there. Uh, Lavezzi's still there. Uh... I can't think of the fullbacks. Uh, Pablo Marcus Rojo was Marcus Rojo, Pablo back. Zabaleta. Yeah, all those players are still, you know, they're still playing football. Yeah, and but they've added such quality and class since Otamendi's come through. I know he, he does play well for Argentina. Yeah, Icardi has just been fantastic for Inter. Paulo Dybala, as you say, is just like a new Messi. These 
these players deserve to be in a World Cup. Absolutely. They might even qualify out of their own. It's not like they've been hard done by. They've been just Yeah, it's the same qualification beaten. as it was every other time. Yeah, they've just not performed to the level of the other previous teams. And that's a real shame for the World Cup. If they're missing from the yeah. World Cup, all well and good, all fair enough to Peru for getting there or Chile if they do Yeah, yeah you can't there. begrudge the team that's taken their place either. Like. No, but like it'll be a, a, a lesser World Cup yeah, for, the, for Messi not being there, for Ricardi not being there, for Paulo Dybala not being there. Exactly. And that, that, that'll that be something for us to look forward to, to, to keep an eye out for and then over the course of the next two weeks as we struggle through another international break without any of the club football. It'll be a good one this time. I that, promise you. They, that's what they always say. Well. But on that bombshell, it is time to bring the show to, to a close for yet another week. I'd like to say thank you to listening and please do get in touch if you have any thoughts on anything we discussed this week. You can email us at thetfpod at gmail.com and follow us on social media at the TF Pod. You can follow us individually. I'm at Cheesy Harpon. Andrew's at Kanban27. Uh, remember to subscribe, rate, and review whatever platform you listen to. It really helps the show and helps us grow. Uh, that just leads me to say thank you to Andrew. Thank you, Declan. And farewell. <laughs>